Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Romans chapter number 12 tonight. We'll be looking specifically at verse 13. And again, this section isn't detached from the rest of the chapter. And it's all, it all has to be seen in the light of the beginning of chapter number 12. Uh, but in Romans chapter 12 and verse 17, Paul said, Recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. So what Paul's doing here is he has begun to transition to the last section of, of in essence, this paragraph of his letter. Um, Paul, as we saw, he speaks in the beginning of chapter number 12 to explain what the mercies of God should prompt us to do. He begins roughly from verse number 3 down to verse number 8 and talks about our interacting with the body corporately. How are they interact with the church? And then he begins to talk about how we interact with ourself from verses 9 to verse roughly to verse number 16. And then verse 17 through 21, Paul begins to explain how we're going to interact with others. And he transitions in verses 14, 15, and 16 to this when he talks about how we are blessing those that persecute us and weep with those that weep and having the same mind one towards another. He's talking about our, our processing what we understand about ourselves outwardly. But in, in particular, in, these, in this last portion of Scripture, he's going to actually speak to not just how we interact with the world around us ourselves, but how we interact with the world around us that interacts with us, if that makes sense. Um, and what Paul does in this verse specifically is Paul looks at the, the beginning of our interaction with what people do and how people interact with us, he looks at it in a positive way and then in a negative way. And when I say positive and negative, or as we have listed out here, the first is a negative principle and the second is a positive principle, what he means, or what I mean by that, is that we interact with people, first of all, in what we don't do, and then we're to interact with people in what we do. So we're interacting with people who are doing the same thing towards us, but we're doing it in two different ways. And Paul breaks this up in, in an understandable way in verse number 17. So looking at the way that Paul kind of produced this, this instruction or this command, he starts out with a negative principle. And real quickly, I'm going to turn over to James chapter number 3 and verse number 17 so we can kind of get an idea of what is behind Paul's thought process in this verse. Obviously, James wasn't written by Paul, but 
they had the same inspiration from the same person. They were both inspired by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. So what they wrote doesn't contradict each other. Um, there are different teachings today, and there are different, even different religions that would attempt to pit Paul and James against each other because if you take little pieces of what they say, they seem to be arguing with each other, but they're not. When you take what they say as a whole, they're actually lining directly up with each other, which is another topic for another day. But what he says in verse number 17 of chapter 3 is, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. In verse 18 he says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. If we go back and look what Paul said in verse 17 of chapter number 12, he said, Recompense no man evil for evil. So what Paul is saying and what ultimately what James is saying is that true wisdom, a true understanding of the Scriptures, a true, a true call of what God wants us to do in our reacting with other people, that true wisdom is going to produce peacemakers. And if anybody else is like me, my mind, when I was studying through this and that term peacemakers came up, it went to the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall inherit the earth, or that was the meek. But he calls towards the peacemakers. He calls that we be peacemakers. That's what we're supposed to be in life. We're not supposed to be the ones that are starting conflict, but we're the ones who are supposed to be making peace and in turn pointing people towards the peace that they can have with God. But if we're going to understand what Paul's saying here, which James calls true wisdom, then we're going to have to look at what he actually has written. He said, recompense no man evil for evil. The word that Paul uses here for recompensing to no man is literally never do this. Um, Paul actually uses two words that mean never and justified. So what Paul is saying, it is never okay. It's never justified to recompense evil for evil. Basically, the command is, if it's what you naturally want to do, don't. And that's why we've entitled this to be different. Paul is calling us to remember that we have presented our bodies a living sacrifice. But at the same time, all of us understand assuming we're all alike, and I believe we probably are, when someone is eviled toward us, our knee-jerk reaction is to be evil back towards them. Because that's, in our mind, that's only fair. If I wanted to use my children for an example, and anybody here could probably use their children for an example, and your parents could probably use you for an example... But you go into a room where two kids are crying and one of them says he did this and then the other one says, well, she did this first. 
So in their mind, they are justified for paying back what was dealt out to them. Evil was done to them, and they're justified by paying that back to somebody else. We may not be so blatant as adults, but we have a tendency to at least want to do the same thing. Even if we don't, we'll be in the shower the next morning or driving to work, and we'll think, you know what I should have said to that person was this. I should have let them have it in this specific way. And we begin to beat our own self up because we didn't deal out evil back to them in an appropriate manner. But that's what Paul is gearing his argument towards. He's saying you are never justified to recompense evil for evil. He said there's never a reason that it makes sense for you to deal out evil towards someone who has done evil towards you. And he comes at this with the understanding that in this world, there are going to be those that do evil towards us. And even looking at other epistles that Paul wrote, there's going to be times when there are those in the church that will do evil towards us because that's our natural bent. Our natural bent is to be evil in ourselves if we are not allowing ourselves to walk in the Spirit and thus not fulfill the lust of the flesh, like Paul said in chapter number 6, then we are going to be bent towards our nature. And we're going to be evil towards people. But Paul is saying whether you're in the world and evil is being done to you in the world, or God forbid, but you're in the church and evil is being done to you in the church... You are never justified to recompense that evil with more evil. The word that Paul uses here for recompense means literally to pay back. To pay as a debt. Paul is saying if someone does evil to you, you're not justified to think about it as if you are not paying them back until you do evil again to them. You're not indebted to do evil to that person. You're not to step back and and scheme how you can get them back like you're in debt to them because they did evil to you. And again, even as I was writing this out, these are the tendencies that I know happen with me. These things I can clearly see in my own life and arguably... Paul could probably see these same things in his life while he was writing this to the church at Rome. But this was what the Spirit was speaking. This is what God was speaking to his church. Ironically, with this word recompense being made pay, being mean mean pay back, verse 19, which we're not to yet, makes a lot more sense because he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay God is saying it's not your place to pay anybody back. And he goes on to tell us because I am the one who pays back, period. The reason that is, and this is the reason that a theology or an understanding of what Christ did is important, is because if we step back and look, The person that did evil to us is in sin. If we do evil back to them, 
we're in sin. But what, what, do, what will we say clearly? We'll, we'll, we will be quick to say about our own sin that Christ has paid for this sin. On Calvary, he has paid for this sin. But we have to be willing to look at others with that same mindset. We have to be able to look at others and say, well, if he's paid for my sin, yes. then that evil that was done to me has already been paid for as well. That's how Paul is calling us to interact Firstly, with people in the church, we're to look at others the same way we are called to look at ourselves. If we're going to look at ourselves and say, God has, has forgiven me and he has taken care of the debt of my sin and God no longer looks at me as indebted for my sinfulness, he sees me as a son, then we're called to look at others that are believers as those same kind of son that we are. They're the same children that we are. So we're to look at them and say that God has paid for that evil that was done to us already on the cross. We have no reason to pay them back for what they did to us because Christ has already paid for that himself. But ultimately to the unbeliever, and that's where we see part of verse number 19. When judgment comes, God has said he will pay back the debt that is owed for that evil. And outside of a church context, with an unbeliever, when we pay back evil for evil, what we are trying to do is, in essence, put ourselves in the place of God and say, God's judgment in the last day on this person will not be enough, so I need to take judgment upon myself and divvy it out here. That's what we do whenever we try to take this in our own hand. And that's why Paul is saying... First of all, negatively, before you even get into an active response to what I'm saying here, the least that you can do is don't pay people back evil for evil. And we see this teaching all through the Gospels. Because again and again, Jesus tells them, if you have an enemy that strikes you on your right cheek, what do you do? You turn the other. Not, not necessarily to say, hey, hit me here too, but... To turn away from what they did. You just act like it didn't happen. Because he's going to recompense that person. Either in his sufficient payment on Calvary. Or in judgment. 2 Peter 2 in chapter chapter 2 and verse number 23. Paul tells us or Peter tells us that. What Christ did. Is when he was reviled. He reviled not. Peter said when there was people that came up and slapped Christ, he didn't slap them back. And Peter was standing over here having denied God, but he was watching this stuff going on. He said when they came up and spit in the face of the Son of God, he didn't spit back. When they come up and plucked his beard, he didn't reach out and grab their beard too. When they accused him of things that he did not do, he didn't stand there and accuse them of things that he knew that they had done. He did not recompense. He did not pay them back for any evil that they did unto him because he was getting ready to pay for that evil that they were doing to him. That's the reason that he would say, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because he was recompensing their evil upon himself. And if we are going to mirror Christ, if we're going to have the mind of Christ that Paul tells us to have, then our mind should be to point their evil back to Christ. 
And when those tendencies arise in us, to remember the payment that Christ has sufficiently taken care of. It's something that should, when that evil arises in us, should point us again to the gospel, to point us again to the sufficiency of the cross. So Paul deals with a negative principle, but he also deals with a positive principle. You could look at it as a passive and an active principle. How you act passively toward evil done and how you act actively toward evil done to you. So what does Paul say that we're to do? He says, don't pay anybody back for the evil that they do to you. But he tells us to actively provide things honest in the sight of all men. For lack of a better way to say this, what Paul is saying here is really cool. And again, I know that's really that sounds really lame, but what Paul is actually saying in this verse, it was it was like a I don't even know how I really don't know how to how to use an analogy to say what reading over and studying this section of scripture did, but the word that Paul uses here as provide. In our minds, we think of giving somebody what they need. But the reason that the King James translators translated this provide is because provide meant something a little bit different in 1600 than it means today. There are other words that meant something a little bit different than it means today. And that's the reason that it is important for us to study the scriptures. But the word that Paul uses here for provide It does have an aspect of giving back. But the word that he used, it means to think in advance. Basically, Paul is saying, think about it. Stop and think. You know, I remember when I was a kid, if there was a fire, the the whole thing was stop, drop, and roll. And I know there was another one that I don't remember that... Obviously, it wasn't nearly as effective, but when you're out in the woods, you're supposed to stop, and it means something about staying where you're at. But what Paul says is, so we, we have this evil being done to us, and Paul says, when you're getting ready to react, stop and think ahead. What Paul, in essence, is saying is that your action after evil is done to you needs to be based on thought and not impulse. It needs to be based on stopping and thinking about what you're getting ready to do instead of impulsively giving them back evil for what they did. So he says we, we, we need to stop. We need to think. What are we thinking about? It sends us back to verse number one and verse number two. Stop. Think about the mercies of God. Not only did God not give you what you should have been given, but verse number two, he has transformed you into something different. So not only are we not, we're stopping to think about what God's done to us, we're not going to give back what we should not be, what we should be giving back to them in, 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 in all fairness. We're showing them mercy. But God also shows us grace by going above and beyond, giving us what, not only not giving us what we do deserve, but giving us what we don't deserve. And that's what Paul 
is conveying to us here that we're to do. We're to stop and think about what, what God has done for us, how God has treated us, and in light of that, treat other people in that same kind of way. So he says, provide things honest in the sight of all men. So he says, stop and think about, what are we thinking about? We're thinking about honesty. The word honesty that Paul uses here means a right behavior. So if we're going to stop and we're going to think about how to rightly behave in advance before we react, what should we be thinking about? Well, Paul's just got done telling us what we should be thinking about. And this again applies in the sense of believers and unbelievers. But directly, at least in in my Bible, directly opposite of the page of this verse is verse number five, six, seven, and eight. And Paul there says that we have been given a measure of faith and that we are many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So he's talking about us being many, our one body in Christ and every member one of another. So what are we going to be thinking about? We need to be thinking about the fact that we're one body in Christ. So... That means when I'm reacting evil towards someone who is a believer, I'm acting in essence against myself and against the head of the body that I'm a part of. So when I'm paying out evil to someone in the same body with me, it's almost the same as if I slam my hand, if one hand slams the other hand in a car door, then I take the hand that got slammed in the car door and I start beating the other hand. That's in essence what we have a tendency to do as believers. We say, well, you did this, so I'm going to do this. Paul is saying, remember that you're part of the same body. To take a phrase that was more rampant in my high school years than it probably is now, but we're all in this together. I was waiting for a smirk from Lindsay when I said that, but um, Paul is basically saying, "Don't, don't hurt yourself. And that even kind of goes along to the outside as well. You see, as a believer, as a member of the household of God, I need to be thinking ahead that I am a part of a physical body on this earth and I'm also a part of a spiritual corporate body of of the universal. Everybody who's a believer is part of one church. We understand that. And we're all part of local assemblies ourselves. So as members of a local assembly and as members of a universal church, I don't have any right to react in the way that my nature wants to react. Because I'm a corporate member of an assembly on the earth, and I am a corporate member of the universal church. So whenever I react outside of the church, or even inside of the church, when I react in a way that is not pleasing to the mind of Christ, then I am reflecting bad, not only on my God, but on the body that I'm around. So if I go to put this on a level where it'll hit home with me, 
If I go to a restaurant and the waiter is rude and snarky with me, I have no right to be rude and snarky back to them, number one, because God has told me that is not the way that he reacts to me. And number two, I am part of an assembly both on this earth and in heaven. So when they look back at me, they are not only seeing me as an individual, but they are seeing me corporately as part of the assembly that I am a part of on this earth. And they are looking at me corporately as a Christian. And as I was going through this section, the phrase that Miss Amy uses came back to my mind. It's not just about being a Christian man or woman, but it's about the fact that we are part of a Christian assembly. We're a part of, of a Christian as a whole. I, don't, I, I'm, I was looking for the word, but when we act in the wrong way, we're reflecting not just on ourselves, we're reflecting on Christianity. And if you go talk to most of the wait staff at restaurants, they will tell you that the worst people to deal with are the church people. Because you have people who are recompensing what they perceive as evil for evil. And that's what Paul says not to do. I don't have a right to speak whatever comes into my mind. I don't have a right to fly off the handle. I don't have a right to plan revenge. I don't have a right to get people back because that's not the way that God has dealt with me. And that is not the way that the assembly that I'm a part of, both locally and and universally would have me to behave. Because when I see someone that seemingly claims to be a Christian across the room from me that is acting rude towards someone or evil towards someone, that hurts me. Because they are claiming something and displaying something that is opposite from the way that I know that I am supposed to be displaying. And that's what Paul has in mind when he says that. He says, people are going to treat you with evil, but do not pay them back. Think ahead. Stop. When that evil is done to you, stop and think. Because there's implications to that evil. So what are we to do? We're to pay them back with an honest behavior. We're not to hit back. We're to give back. To put it in a way that that can help stick with us. And Paul tells us why all of this is, and we'll close with this, but he says, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Paul's saying, I don't want you to just do this with your friends. Don't just do this with your family. Don't just do this with the people that you like. But to have honest behavior before all men. What does all mean, Brother Charles? It means, means everybody. There's, there's, there's nobody who is outside of this good behavior. And again, Paul tells us why this is. He tells us in another section of Scripture that God reigns on the just and the unjust. Paul says God is not standing there and saying, well, these people are good and these people are bad, so I'm going to send these people rain, and I'm not going to send rain to these other people. He reigns on the just and the unjust. So we're not to have good behavior just towards the just, but to the unjust as well.
to kind of wrap all of this up, again, the call of this verse is to be different. Paul is calling us here not just to display that we're the children of God so we can prove that we are Christians. But ultimately, Paul, with the entire New Testament, is saying, don't prove that you're a Christian. Remember that you're a Christian. Because if you stop and you remember... It's going to change the way that you're acting. You're going to be different because you remember you are different. That's why Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, he says that if you are doing this and this and this and this and this of these evil things, he, he doesn't say you're not, a church, you're not part of a church or you're not a Christian. You're not saved. That's not what Peter says. He says you've forgotten. You have forgotten that you've been purged. You're acting like you don't remember who you are. Yes, he doesn't say this is not who you are. He doesn't say just because someone has really recompensed evil for evil means that they're not really a Christian. He's saying they just have forgotten whose they are. Yes. The call of this scripture to us is to be different because of who we are. Remember who you are. Stop and think about who you are. Remember. Remember. And be different because of who you are. And what's driving that is we're being different because of who He is. If He is our Father, then we're different because He's different. We're His children. We're different because of, of who we have become, who God has made us. But ultimately, we're different because who, who of He is. And again, looking back to the first points, He didn't recompense evil when He was done evil. When Adam sinned against God, he didn't recompense evil for evil. He came down and said, I'll take care of it. When Noah failed and laid shamed and naked before the whole world at that point in time, when he failed, God didn't recompense evil for evil there because he was going to send someone who would lay naked before the whole world and take that shame. He wouldn't bring shame, he would take the shame. All throughout the scriptures we're called to remember God. Yes. And to reflect what he has done. And that's ultimately what Paul's saying. Here. He's saying be in the same mind. He even says that in the verse above. He says be of the same mind one toward another. Be unified in the way you're thinking. Be unified around your Father. Be different. And that's the call. That's the call of Scripture. To be different. To remember, to think, and to be different in the way that you treat people when you're treated in a way that you don't want to be. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be again in your house, to look again into your